Well, very good. Let's take our Bibles and turn to, uh, actually, does anyone remember where we've been the last two weeks? Same, same passage of Scripture. Does anybody remember? No, no one does. Good. Very good. Well, we'll, we'll go to Hebrews again, Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, there's one word that has been that stuck out to me um, in the last couple of days, and uh, that's the one I guess I would like to focus on. But let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, and we've been there for a couple of weeks talking about just independent or uh, issues that are tied with running the race of life. But then we've talked about different aspects of that. Let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll begin reading at verse one, and we'll read the first three verses. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning now at verse one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. May God add a special blessing to the reading of His Word, and let us just pause for prayer prior to our study. Uh, Father, we once again thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for the opportunity we have to, to come together, to, to be encouraged by it, and encouraged, Father, by the joy of being gathered together. We would ask that these moments now are for You to meet us, to help us relationally to be at a point we've never been for before, Father, that we would see you more clearly than we've ever seen you before. We thank you for what you're going to do today. We would ask that we would be open and willing to have you do what you want to be done. We would pray that our teacher today would exclusively be the Holy Spirit. We are learning to lean on you, Father. We would ask that as we look to the Scriptures, that you would allow us to see it clearly, concisely, and from your perspective. We thank you for what you're going to accomplish, and these things we ask in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so, if we were going to take... Uh, if I was going to ask you, maybe the key... If, if we were going to take that passage, verses 1 through 3... Um, you would say what? It's running a race. How many of you run a race? Okay, you're going to have to get more involved in this. No one, I, you can't tell me, no one in this room has never run a race. So let's try it again. How many of you ever run a race in your life? Some of you never run a race. We're going to work on you guys later because somewhere, somewhere in some school, somewhere you ran some kind of a race. And Jesus Christ literally is asking us to run the race of life. Get involved. Get on it. If you're a Christian, guess what? You're supposed to be in the race for life. And everybody said, <laughs> with gusto, right? <laughs> and sometimes we forget we're in a race. But the thing is, it was interesting for me in verse 2, I'm sorry, the last part of verse 1, is it tells us in what frame of mind, with what perspective, with what value, I'm going to leave that aside, let's set value aside, with what perspective we are to run the race, and that is with what? With diligence, diligence? excuse me. Perseverance, endurance. endurance. That's the word I was looking for. And it fits beautifully because if you run the race as a sprint, you're going to be down and out quickly, aren't you? 
If you run the 24-mile marathon, which life can be very much a marathon, can't it? It can go on and on and on and on. And it's amazing even now, add to that, if you're out running a marathon, there's usually some things that are coming. It could be high temperatures. It could be bumpy, rocky roads. It could be difficulties, potholes, and all those things. Everything that can come at you, you know what makes it even more difficult is when we have to continue to endure. Endurance is not easy. It's one of the most difficult things that we find in life is to run the race of life with endurance. And I'd like to talk about endurance today. Uh, actually, today there's going to be, we're going to talk about the secrets of endurance. And you say secrets of endurance, just keep going. Well, how do we keep going? And we're going to look at three of them today. I'm going to find our, we'll find that in another text that we'd like to go to now. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. The secrets of endurance. We're going to read these three verses, and then uh, we'll begin to work through them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning now at verse 16. Actually, I'll start at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you say, you're saying there's three secrets in those three verses? What in the world are they? Well, we're going to uncover those as we go ahead, but let's first of all talk about that man that wrote these words he was inspired by the, by the Holy Spirit, obviously. But who was this man that wrote the letter to the Corinthians? It was Paul. So let's talk about Paul for a moment. I want you to see, uh, because there, there's some thought, if, if some have maybe heard this, that, well, just, just give your life to Jesus, and your life will be awesome. It will be so good, you won't another, have another bad day. Now, that is a lie. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is pretty clear and forthright in saying that, if you trust Christ as your Savior, yes, you're saved. Yes, your eternal future is fixed, but you can expect some challenges, some problems. Now, let's just look at Paul's life for a moment. And what would you say about Paul? Let's, let's just talk about Paul the Apostle. Tell me about him. Ex uh, expose him. Let's say that I walk through that door, and you're going to tell me, Larry, all about Paul. What would you say? What would you, how would you describe him to me? Passionate. Passionate. Well, I'm going to say that's a, that's a really cool word. Even before he came to Christ... That man was passionate. He was zealous. Very good. Excellent word. What else? He was loyal. He was. He was very loyal, wasn't he? He was extremely loyal. Again, prior to Christ, he was loyal to the church leader, shall we say. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was taught by Gamaliel. He was really, really on fire, loyal and passionate. And what else? He really did persevere, and that's what I, I want to look at that. He persevered. He had, endurance. he had endurance. In fact, that's another word we could use. We'll just say that. So what Cindy has led us to is the fact that he would be a great example of us to be looked for someone of how did he see life from the lens of endurance. How did he keep doing that? He would be one we'd want to look at, isn't it? What, what else? Motivated. Excuse me? Motivated. 
he was super motivated because you know what? I'm telling you, the thing that really impresses me is what, how he responded to difficulties. Now, again, if I was going to ask you how many of you have difficulties, no one would raise your hand, so we're not going to waste you in time. Everyone's had difficulties, haven't they? I mean, it's, that's what life is. And sometimes there's one on top of another and on top of another and another and another and another. And they keep coming at you. And when you don't think you can take any more, here comes one more. And how do you respond? With endurance. <laughs> With joy, actually. That's exactly what James talks about in chapter 1. How can we do that? We're going to be talking about that in a moment. Now, what was I going to tell you? I was going to tell you something else. I was going to write something. Do you know what I was, Jeff? I don't either. This, there we go. Motivator. I still couldn't do the D right. I had a teacher one time, she said, Larry, you're thinking way ahead of what you're able to write. And I think that's true, because I'm trying to catch up with my thoughts, right? And it's so sloppy. And what was the word I was going to write? He was extremely motivated. What motivated him? Christ. Christ. That is truly the secret, is the fact. Now, the overall secret is he was motivated solely and completely by Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at some of his problems. Anything else you want to add? You guys have done really well. What else could we say about Paul? He, he did. He suffered a lot. What? Well, that isn't fair, is it? Here's a man that's motivated. He persevered. He's loyal. He's passionate. He's a Christ follower. He's done everything. Why did he suffer? For Christ. Anything else before we go on? He was extremely well-educated. Which, for some from the outside, would have said, Oh, Paul, 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 what a waste of life, knowing what you could have been. Right? Anything else? He had a thorn in the flesh, and for some reason, he would have, God said he needed to have that. I don't know what that... Or God allowed it. Yeah, exactly. What that need, why God allowed him to have that thorn in the flesh. Interestingly enough, a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what exactly it was. It certainly wasn't a a thistle or a, a sticker in his foot. However, it's some similarity probably described and diagnosed that way than the fact, you know what, if you, you ever had a thorn, a thorn in your foot? You know the one thing that's consistent about it? As long as it's there, it's 24-7. You cannot make it go away. And it's amazing how something so tiny can be so painful. Have you ever had that little tiny stinking little piece of sand that's in your boot inside your sock? And you want it to go away really bad. And you know what? You can't think it away. Paul actually prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to go away, and yet, you know what it did? Ultimately, it allowed him to have what was perceived in his mind as weakness to be turned into strength. Self-surrender. He was so... That, that's another... Can we put that up there? I just happened to... Self-surrender. He really surrendered himself, which was ultimately his strength. Well, what, what, what do you think about Paul? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me? Superman, yeah. Well, let's take a look at Superman and how some of the things he went through. Let's turn, turn uh, if you're already in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's turn ourselves to uh, verses 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, let's look now at verse, he's going to start in verse 7 actually. He's talking about circumstances of his ministry. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Watch verse 8. We are troubled on every side, 
yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or clear in our body. Now, did you see that? That would probably be an excellent definition of endurance coming from every side. Have you ever had those kind of days? A lot of times they call them a Monday, don't they? And it just comes an onslaught, and you just you pick up, you get off a phone call, and it's something, uh, I don't know, whatever. There's a cow that's flipped upside down, and she's in the ditch, and she's dead. Oh, bummer, right? And then someone calls and says, hey, your irrigation ditch is running over in town. And for the na- oh, that's great. Awesome. Phone call comes in and said, say, uh, and it goes on and on and on, right? I've, yes, I've taken those calls. In fact, I, I remember that one for just a second. Ernie reminded me of that. I was combining. I think I was combining. I was over there, and I was seeing this plume of smoke. It was about five, six miles away. And I said to myself, that looks like that could be on the Schultz place. Ring. And there's like 30 phone calls. Larry, your haystack's on fire. Larry, your haystack's on fire. Larry, your haystack's on fire. I'm thinking, I'll bet my haystack's on fire. <laughs> right? And it just, Right? How do you keep going? Now, that stuff's actually very small. How about the big stuff? Like when your relationships fall apart between your family. A loved one passes away. You get that phone call, you've got cancer. On and on, all of those things, the pressures of that, how do you keep going? That's what Paul is really going to give us some secrets to. Let's turn to... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It's amazing how 2 Corinthians is full of descriptions of Paul's life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's look now at verse 4. Uh, It starts off this way, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 4, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers or servants of God in much patience in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watching, in fastings. Are you wore out yet? Yikes. Chapter 7, verse 5. For we were come into... This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Have you ever been there before? Without, everything is in a tumult, and inside, guess what's happening to you then? You're full of fear. You ever been full of fear? Ha! Ah, Paul is being extremely honest. How does he do it? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. One more. It's amazing. All of this in one book, one letter written to the church at Corinth. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 says this. Are we ministers of Christ? I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more often, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received by forty stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day had been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in sea, in perils in a month. And are you wore out yet? And this is this is this guy. This is this passionate, motivated, well-educated, loyal, persevering, self-surrenderer, and that's the life that's going on? Now, I don't know what you're going through, but God does. But I'm going to gamble on this a little bit. 
that you probably have not went through as much stuff as Paul has. And I'm not suggesting in any way to minimize the struggles in which you're having. But if this man, with this many struggles, can move through a life with endurance, so can you. I'd like to go to the end of his life, if you will, and I want you to see a perspective that he gave to his young, the young Timothy who he was mentoring. Let's go to 2 Timothy, and I'd like to look at chapter 4, I believe. I don't think I wrote it down, but that'll be okay. Uh, verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, these are the last, literally some of the last words that he has given. These are the last written things that, that we have of Paul's writings. It says this, verse 7, chapter 4, 2 Timothy, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What is that, what is that verse about? Endurance. I've kept on. I've stayed with it. Verse 16, at my first answer, at his first trial, if you will, no man stood with me. Here's Paul, this man that has affected so many people, but he said, all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be held, led, I'm sorry, but may not be led to, laid to their charge. Verse 17, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's where Paul got his strength. In every situation, he looked not to anyone other than to God. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll lay out the first secret of endurance. Verse 16 tells us this. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Tell me what the difference is between the outer man and the inner man. Now, obviously, he's saying, if this is Paul, he's describing himself, or it could be anyone. There is the outer man and the inner man. Tell me about the outer man. It's what, what we see. It's, it, as I'm looking out amongst you, or you're looking at me, you see, what you see is the exterior, the outer man. And one thing we know positively is today, we are a little less strong, a little less vibrant than we were even yesterday. That's the way it works. Time is wearing us out. It just does that. There is nothing that you ultimately can do about that. You can prolong life. And by the way, I'm not suggesting we shouldn't take care of our outer man. I'm not suggesting that. But what he's saying is this. We will find out a secret of endurance if we value the inner man more than the outer man. That is the key. Now, let's talk about the inner man. We've talked about the outer man. Talk about the inner man. Now, he is saying that the inner man is renewed every day. The outer man continues to be on a very, could be a slow decline, could be a fast decline, but ultimately, it will end. The inner man doesn't have anything to do with time. You can become stronger and stronger and stronger, regardless of where you are. That is really cool. But most of the time, and where we get in trouble in the sense of endurance, is we look at what is happening on the outside. 
Now, again, these are secrets of endurance to those that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. If you're here today and you've not trusted Christ as Savior, then the inner man is not even alive. It's not even awake. You couldn't possibly value that because it hasn't been given life. But if you've trusted Christ as Savior, then there's no reason for you not to enjoy the sake for enjoy the gift of endurance because the inner man continues to be strengthened every single moment when we are living and being filled with the Holy Spirit each and every moment. Now, let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> Even though we're all breaking down, we're aging, that's undeniable, that's reality. The inner man, that's the real you. That's the inner part. of That's the soul. That's the part that literally is eternal. From the, from the point of conception, you became a new person that is eternal with no end. Amen. And I waited because it's hard to even grasp that, isn't it? It's hard to grasp that. But that's exactly what gives Paul the sense of focus our perspective. I want you to think through these things today from the sense of what do we value and what is our perspective. From a spiritual realm, the inner man is literally where we need to be. Now, who do you pray for more for? Now, we had, we had prayer requests today. Do you pray more for your outer man or more for your inner man? That's a little bit interesting, isn't it? Now, we already know that the outer... Now, by the way, I'm not saying to disregard your outer man, but at the same time, there is an end coming. There's no one that escapes death. That's why it's so very important that you know who you trust in. The only one that can get you through the death problem is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that did it all. He accomplished it. He broke the power of death. And literally God said that was good enough when Jesus Christ hung on a cross for the epicenter of love. And he said, it is finished. You know what was finished? The fact that men and women could come to, to God. Through Jesus Christ's grace that's unfolded. And God said, you know what? I'm going to put my stamp of approval on that, showing that it is absolutely good enough for all of time, because what did he do? He raised him from the dead. That's what I needed to know. If Jesus Christ would still be in that tomb, guess where I would not be? I would not be here today because I would have nothing to tell you that would be of any value. Unless you can break the, the curse of death, there is nothing that's worth talking about. And that's the value of the inner man. Because in Jesus Christ, that is the safety that we have. That's the power of Jesus Christ. The inner man. The inner man. Now, it's affected by this regeneration, regenerating grace that we come through Jesus Christ. I'd like to go back to, you're already in 2 Corinthians. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It helps us understand something of who we are and what what we could be deemed as being. Several weeks ago, um, I think it was on October 6th, we gave, had a message on uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and we talked about Jesus Christ dwelling in your, in your heart or in your soul and literally making him comfortable, not just, not just knocking on the door for a Sunday dinner. Now, that, that wouldn't be too bad. You know, if, let's just say that this is your house and, and you've prepared a nice Sunday meal and Jesus comes up to you and he knocks on the door and he says, say, would it be okay if I came in for dinner? And you'd say, why, sure, that'd be great. And then after lunch, he sits around and we visit a little bit. And then he says this, you know, 
I think I'm going to just stay. You mean, you, you mean like, you mean like, all day? No, no. I'm thinking about just staying here all the time. This is where I want to. This is home. Oh, oh, you mean like, like, all the time? <laughs> do, you, do you see what I'm talking about? And here's the deal. If our inner man is being strengthened, then it's a great place for Christ to dwell, to live at home. But if you don't take care of the inner man, it's not a place you can live. Do you see, do you see the strength in all of that? Let's go to 1 Corinthians. You've already been there. You're waiting for me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, because ultimately he tells us in verse 19, what? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now that kind of lays it open, doesn't it? Jesus Christ bought us with a price. And literally, the only way... Now, by the way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's only one reason. It's because you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Because if you trust Him, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, then the Spirit is within you. And if... He's there, then your body, your temp, or, I'm sorry, your inner man is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's where Jesus Christ wants to live. And when you value your inner man more than the outer man, that is the secret, the first secret to endurance. That is the key. That is the key. Now, if you value the outer man, it's no wonder we don't want to endure and we give up hope. What's the use? I'm getting old. I'm slower. I'm more tired. And if we look at the outer man, it's kind of depressing, isn't it? Now, youngsters that are here now, you guys don't ever think you'll ever get old. See, when I was a teenager, I thought, I'm always going to be in shape. I'm always going to be ready to go at all times. I don't know where I lost that, but somewhere along the line, I've lost some of that. But you know what? When we value the inner man, it is far more valuable was running the race of life with endurance. Let's go on to the next one. Didn't Paul say that my body, my flesh is weak, but my spirit is strong? That's right. And in Romans chapter 7, you might write that, write that down, that inner conflict that was going on in his life. It was just, the flesh was almost overpowering in the sense of how it just held him back. One of the things interesting in Hebrews chapter 12, we read again today, to, to set aside that sin that so easily besets us, that of unbelief. Oh, one more. Let's look at one more. Let's go back to Ephesians for a second. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go there for a second. Chapter 3, verse 16. This actually ties together with a, a, a message we gave some, a, a few weeks back, and it says this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. That he would grant you, now Paul is praying here, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. Why? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He, again, Paul writing in that letter to Ephesians, is tying it all together. Now, we should, we should make sure we make this before we move on. So, do you know that all of your troubles, all of your trials, all of your sufferings, all of your persecutions... Everything, I'm going to keep swaying back and forth because there's a lot of stuff we could talk about, right? But you know what? It actually leads you to be able to strengthen the inner man. 
and you say, what? What? Do you know what happens when you have times of trials, times of suffering? Now, again, I'm talking to someone who's trusted Christ as Savior. If you haven't done that, first things first. But I'm going I'm to speak to you as if you have. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, all of those things that come as an onslaught against you, they actually strengthen your inner man because when you're in trouble, you go to the Master. When you're in trouble, you go to God. When you're in trouble, you go to the Savior. And guess what happens? The inner man is refreshed, renewed, and strengthened every day. Now, I sometimes, when I'm in a storm, have you ever been in a storm and you don't have a coat? Why did I say a coat? Sometimes when we're prepared for a storm, it feels easier. But you know most of the storms that come up, whew, and you're in them, and you know the first thing I want? I want to get out of the storm. Hey, God, this is really ugly. This is really, I don't, I'm not prepared. Could you please take me out of the storm? Is that the way you guys pray? I want to get out of the storm. But you know what he usually does? He's going to take you through the storm, or he's going to take the storm out of you. And what I mean by that? Paul, in probably the most joyous epistle that he ever wrote, the letter that he wrote that encouraged more people, even today, I'm gonna, I've got more scripture passages about joy in the book of Philippians than any other book that I know of. I'm not going to say there's not others, but that is amazing. And you know where he was at? His residence at that time was he was in prison. So literally, God was taking the storm out of him, even though he was in a storm, allowing us to have the opportunity to see the joy and peace that he himself was exampling as he was enduring the life. He was, he was going through his life with endurance because he valued the inner man more than the outer man. Now, show me someone that values the outer man more than the inner man, and I will show you someone that has a whole lot of turmoil inside. A whole lot of turmoil inside. I will show you someone that, that, oh, what's the use? I give up. I'm done. I can't do this. Now, there are times in my life that I'll say, in fact, my wife has heard it many, many times, I can't do this anymore. I give up. I quit. Now, I'm the guy that says I quit. See, she's actually, she knows it. She's, she's heard, heard it plenty of times. I'm a, I, in, in, when, in my verbal assent, I've quit more times than I can imagine. But because of her and because of my Lord Jesus Christ and because of others that we're meeting here today in common and in friendship, because we're fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, guess what? It's us that allows us to have endurance because we strengthen the inner man. And that's the key to going on. I can't tell you how many times I said I quit, but I can't because Jesus Christ says, keep going, keep going. I'm with you. I'm right with you. I love that verse. Lo, I am with you always to the very end. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I, that, that verse probably, and you say, why is that such a big deal? It's a really big deal because a thousand years from now, if all the things that I told you to do because of the Bible, not because of what I said, because the Bible said, if a thousand years ago, you know, I kind of changed my mind. I'm going to take a new approach to that. All those losers that believe that, I'm going to just say, I'm not going to do it that way anymore. I'm going to do it another way. That's depressing. Now, I'm here to say, if you're looking to choose Muslim as a religion, be prepared. Allah has the ability within the Quran to be able to abrogate or to change his mind. So those that flew into those two buildings in New York City under the premise that they were going to go to paradise and all of its splendor and beauty, a thousand years from now, Allah said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Do you see the significance of never changing? 
God said, I tell you what, from the very beginning of time, before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, he said this, I have a brand new plan and it's going to come through Jesus Christ and that's the way I'm going to save mankind and it's going to be good for eternity. Isn't that awesome? And he can't change his mind because he can't because he wouldn't be God. You say, Larry, you're too excited. I am excited about that stuff because I don't want my God to change and I want him to be able to to, to give me what I need to endure to the end. And how I'm going to do that? The secret is valuing the inner man more than the outer man. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's look at uh, first, there's a few more, are you okay? Let's look at the scripture a little bit. If not, if you don't have your Bible with you, write these down and the, the Holy Spirit will, will guide you through them and enlighten you as well. First Peter chapter 5 and let's look at verse 10. But the God of all grace, First Peter chapter 5 verse 10, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, man, what a mouthful, after that you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, that's mature, establish, strengthen, and settle you from that Jesus Christ, He will give you the strength just as we went and looked at Paul where he got his strength. Philippians chapter 4, turn there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Again, what encouraging words that that Paul gave us to that little letter to the Philippians. Chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We've already looked at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. At the very end of his life, he said, God is there to strengthen me. Suffering is directly connected to spiritual growth. Suffering is directly connected to spiritual growth. Well, let's look at our second secret. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's look now at verse 17. Verse 17. Whoops, what did I... Oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians. That's not going to work out. I'll be right with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 17. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's look at the terms that he's describing for us. Now, we just looked at Paul's life, and tell me how he's describing the suffering. Now, again, shipwrecked. How would you like to have been? I don't remember the town where he was at, but he was preaching the gospel, and actually they thought that he and his partner um, Barnabas, that they were actually gods. The townspeople, one thought he was Apollo, one was Apollos, Apollo, and who was the other one? I can't remember. Was it Zeus? Okay. They thought whatever it was, just whatever. Wow, these guys, they must be gods. And they're bowing. And no, 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 stop. Stop. Don't worship us. We're just men just like you. But you, you, and they were elevated. And you know, if you keep reading, it's about two verses later. Guess what? Some Jews came from another city, came in and said, these guys are imposters. They're just, they're, they, they've, got a new, they've got a new gospel. You know what they did to Paul? They drug him out of town in the same place within the same time frame and stoned him what they thought was to death. What? That's crazy. And then you know what happened, right? Not, not Paul. That would have been a good time to give up, right? I'm like, you're under a pile of rocks? I'm not making light of it. I mean, they literally stoned him, thought he was dead. And here come the Christians out of this, out of this city, and they, I'm sure, took rocks off the top of him. Why else would they leave him? And they take the rocks off. Oh, Paul, you're still alive. And they get him up. What does Paul do? Now, what would have you done? I would have went to the next town. I don't know why. I would just say that I'm going to go to the next town. This is not the place for me. What did he do? He went back into the town. Why? Because he has a spirit of endurance. Because it's not his strength. It's God's strength. 
Isn't that powerful? Man, I love that. Love that about Paul. Okay, you say, well, you've got a second one. Yes, I do. But I want to say this. Um, There's three words that are there in verse 17 that I find really remarkable. And I told you of just one instance, one instance of where he was stoned and left for dead. And he is telling us now that this suffering is what? Light. Now, how many of you have been stoned and left for dead? Exactly. I would call that heavy myself. What else did he say? Momentary. What do we know about Paul's sufferings? <laughs> they, went, they went on for his whole life. What else? There's one more there. I, I have to think about it. I can't remember it now. Light affliction, which is much more than Okay, I'm missing it. What is the third one? I thought I had another one. Temporary. Temporary. There it is. For a moment. Whoops, that's it. What was the other one? Light. Oh, I know the other one. The sense of pressure. Affliction. You see the word? He's got affliction in there, right? How many of you have had affliction? Probably a number of you have. That word flips us. It's not, it's kind of like you have a... uh, Philipsis. Sounds like a lisp. Do you know what it is? It's pressure. It's like this, this constant pressure pushing against you. That's affliction. That's the word that's used in the Greek for affliction. Now, so he has this philipsis that is he's describing as being light and momentary. Why can he say that? The second secret to endurance is valuing the future more than the present. I'll tell you what, when you value the present as being more important than the future, this will be heavy and this will be everlasting, right? Because you'll lose perspective. Again, I'm, I'm on that word perspective. If you can get perspective of seeing beyond what you're currently going through and you look at the future for what it is and that's eternal, endurance becomes reality. And that's exactly what Paul did. Those things of his life that were, I'm saying, overpowering and extreme, he saw them as light and momentary because he valued the future much more than he did the present. That's strong, isn't it? That's really strong. Now, again, for myself, the times that I get weary, the times that I don't really feel like enduring anymore, have you ever felt like never enduring again? Sure you have. Why? I'll tell you why. One of the reasons would be because you saw the present as more valuable than the future. Not necessarily that you'd state it that way, but that's what you're looking at because it has to do with focus. It has to do with what you're looking at. And when you're looking at your problems, your God becomes smaller. When you're focusing, I love that little sign. I don't know, where did we get that? Somebody gave that to us. Was it Carol? Carol Brugham and Mary Kay. Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary Kay. Oh, it wasn't her? It doesn't matter, does it? What's really cool is the fact that that is the key. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? That's the key. Now, when I'm struggling emotionally, when I'm struggling on just how to get going and get through, I can tell you, can, I can tell you because you'll know what I'm focusing on. It's on my problems. But when I say, you know what, 
it just doesn't really matter because my future has been revealed in the scripture because I've trusted Jesus Christ and the grace that he saved me by, I can live by that grace and ultimately one day I will be in eternity with him forever and ever. And this stuff going on right now just really doesn't matter. That's pretty powerful. But I'm, again, the really nice part about it, this wasn't Paul who was just spending all of his time in the Caribbean. He was wealthy. Everything was his way. He didn't have a problem in the world. And for him to say this, well, of course. But the really cool thing is, is he went through his toughest stuff as probably all of us combined in this room, and then times 10. And he has the authority. He has the validity to tell us that these are the secrets to endurance. The other one I'm thinking of right now that is probably the most splendid example of endurance. And, excuse me? Faith is ultimately, that is, that's the underlying mode of it, isn't it? It really is. It's right there. That you can grasp it. And that's why we can do it because that's exactly what the Bible describes it as being. And take the author and finish of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I want to show you another example, which I think is absolutely splendid because there's no one that suffered more. No one has ever suffered more. I'm going to say it one more time. No one has ever suffered more than Jesus Christ. He hung on that cross. And yet watch this. Back to, our, to what we read earlier today. Where did, oh, here they are. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We were talking about focus. Watch, this is a key. Verse 2, looking, looking, looking unto Jesus. Let's back up. Let's read the whole verse. Wherefore, verse 1, wherefore seeing we also are compassed, surrounded about with such a great cloud of witnesses. That's in chapter 11. The hall of faith. All of those people that in faith, as Cindy pointed out, were trusting God with the future. Let us lay aside every weight, everything that's besetting us, everything that's, that's weighing us down, and let us run with endurance, with patience is the word that they have there. Let us run with endurance, the race is set before us, comma, how? Looking, focusing on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, watch, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and set down at the right hand of God. You know what? He suffered more than anyone. He has the most glory. That's amazing, isn't it? And you'll see that, in, in, especially in Peter's epistles as well. Before glory comes suffering. Remember in Matthew, it would be like Matthew chapter 20. Close. Um, so the mother of um, the two disciples, James and John, she comes to Jesus. She said, uh, Jesus, got something to ask of you. You know, because you're going to have a kingdom. And when you have that kingdom, I'm wondering if my two sons could be in the highest place of honor. Now, that's a mom, isn't it? Go, mom, go, right? And you know how Jesus responded to that? Can they drink of this cup? Which cup? That was the cup that he asked that if it could be taken from me, it would be good. That would be literally what? To be crucified, the cross. Did you see it? What she was asking for was glory, and he said, it's going to take suffering before you can get there. It's absolutely true, isn't it? Wow, powerful, extremely powerful. Perspective is so crucial. To Paul, the present pain paled in comparison to the great future reality waiting for him. In, in 2 Timothy, he was just really literally days away from meeting his Savior. Now, the other, if let's go back, are you still in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 
Look at, what he, look at the, how he does this. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So in other words, what he's trying to do, which he does this in other, other cases, is he'll take, like, take all of that stuff, all that suffering, all the trials, all the trouble, all of whatever it is, and put it on one. You remember those, those little scales? I can't draw. I'm horrible at drawing, which you guys already know that. But if I was going to draw something, which I probably shouldn't even attempt to do, is... This is horrible. Don't laugh, okay? And... You're laughing. I'm going to erase it. But, but here's the deal. Does, is it fine? Okay. Well, for you that are listening to this and can't see this, you're better off. Okay. But what we've got is I'm kind of describe a, a balance, if you will. And on one side of it, you would put all your troubles, all your trials, all of the overpowering, suffocating uh, difficulties of life. You put it on one side. And Paul says, on the other side, I want you to just put the eternal weight of glory, and it far outweighs it. And that's exactly the picture, isn't it? See, in my mind, that really works. And in my mind, that little picture is much better than that. Because I'm seeing all of that stuff that weighs me down, and I'm so encumbered by and so over the top, endurance becomes reality because when I view it with the future glory, it's nothing. It's light. It's momentary in comparison. In fact, let's look at him. Write another one of the same. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. just popped in my mind. Romans chapter 8. Look at this. Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verses 18, I believe it is. Let's go there for a moment. Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verse 18. Oh, and I, we have to stop a little bit. For, we've got to go back because he, he shows us who we are if you're in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 17, verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Are you guys, I mean, you're family. That's so beautiful. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Well, what a beautiful verse. But let's keep going. For I reckon, or I consider, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Isn't that exactly the same picture he's just done for us in 2 Corinthians? It's just not worth, it's, it's just a completely different Different thing. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not going to take the position that suffering and pain are not real. No, no. Now, there's, 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 a, there's a, a group of people that say, no, I'm not suffering. I'm not suffering. There is no pain. 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 That there is pain. There is reality. There is, isn't there? But it's nothing in comparison to our future if you're in Christ. So, the first secret is Value the inner man more than the outer man. The second secret is value the future more than the present. There's one left. Let's go on. Let's go back to second. Oh, I've got one more verse. Sorry. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be there in just a second. I think this is important. If you're already in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that's okay. But hold your place and then turn to, to Philippians chapter 2. This actually ties in very well with what we did in Hebrews. Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 8 and 9. In fact, I maybe even like to start in verse 5. This is, if you ever, if you want to know about humility, 
This is the epitome of humility in Jesus Christ's life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it starts this way. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, he was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now, you, if you can handle that, you can't, but try your best. The very God comes down to earth that he created, and is made in the likeness of men. Wow. Keep going. Verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 8. Now, here we go. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, because of that, because of his suffering, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Again, that fits in beautifully with Hebrews chapter 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to go there for just a second. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and be multiplied. And I'm going to be really honest because that's the kind of guy I am. That is not the verse that I hoped it would be, Okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to look at 2 Peter a minute. 2 Peter chapter 1. Try that. Nope. Okay, so I wrote down the wrong verse. Let's move on. Let's go to... Oh, there is. That's the one I forgot. Here we go. We all ready? Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 will set us up perfectly. Colossians chapter 3 and chapter 3, verse 2. Here we go. Colossians 3, 2. If, if you then be risen with Christ, which means if you've trusted Him as Savior, you're going to be risen with Him. Paul already spoke about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affection, your love, on things above, not things on the earth. Now back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are you fixing your gaze on? The third secret to endurance is, what are you looking at? Are you valuing or looking at eternal things over what is temporal? Describe those two for me. Let's talk about, uh, let me erase this. Tell me about some temporal things. I'll write a few of them down. Houses. What would you say? Cars? Money? Excuse me? What? I thought you said elk, and I was thinking, well, that, okay. We, health. Actually, health is, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in parenthesis. So we have health. Now, I will say, if there's, if, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but uh, just in case that she had said elk, that could be, that could be significant, because if you're a hunter... That's a, that's a big deal, right? 
especially if you like to hunt elk. So I'm going to just put that up there. <laughs> I heard what I heard, right? Now, any, let's add some more. Any, anything else? Life on this earth. Um, that's an, now, that's interesting. I don't think I can write that one down because that has temporal and eternal. Correct? Okay. Okay. What is temporal? Jeff, what were you going to say? Heartbeat. Heartbeat? Okay. What am I going to do with that? Um, <laughs> um, when you. <laughs> yes. I'm going to follow that question with a question. Okay. Okay. Um, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of potential questions in there. Okay. So let me let me let me try to let's see if we can just kind of break it down first. Okay. First of all, what is the purpose of mankind? We were in our home church that was part of the. Glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Okay. Okay. That's, that was the, what, is, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Yep, and that's very true. That's very true. Okay. The other thing, I'm, let's go back and say this. Uh, who made man? God did. He created man out of nothing, basically. Okay. Could be done. Yeah, and I, I'm okay with that. But He did truly create man because He created. Everything ultimately out of nothing because he made the dust too, right? Like somebody said, well, we can make life in a test tube. And God said, no. He says, you need to start with nothing. You don't get nothing. And isn't that true? God made it out of nothing. Okay. So he made man and woman. He made ma male and female. Why did God make them? He wanted, and he has always done this because if you look through the whole plan that God has unfolded in the scriptures, he made mankind because he wanted them to love him. And what we know about love is this. If someone tries to force you to love them, that's impossible. Now, God is stronger than any one of us. He's stronger than anything. But if he would force us to love him, it's not love. That's why he had to give the opportunity for Adam and Eve to choose what they would choose. 
and they chose self over God. And that's when, in fact, if you were to go, right, you might write this down, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I believe it is, from the foundation of the world, he, had dis, he, he, he declared he was going to make Jesus Christ, the very God the Son, to be the way of salvation, to regain what had been lost. Because when they chose self, we were trapped then in sin. That was, that was the fixed point that we became. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us, let's go to that. I would like to go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12 for a second. This is important. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that, that sin that took place in the garden, and, and it was a choice. They chose not to trust God. They trusted themselves because they wanted to be as God was. That's what, that was what Satan came with. He says, I want you to... To be like all, like to be like God. So, from that point, then we was looking forward to the fact that Jesus Christ, then the Son of God, they didn't even know His name. They didn't know who He was. But ultimately, for us to turn back and see that coming from the seed of woman, Jesus Christ came, and He allowed the opportunity. If we would trust Christ as our Savior, then that penalty of sin is canceled, and now we are free to be able to fellowship. And you know what the key was? He loved us before we loved Him. He gave His life for us before we even knew. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, let's, let's keep going down, this, down the pathway that Cindy has, has, has unfolded. So, really, literally, for us to be on this earth, ultimately God's goal for us is to love Him and to give Him everything that we have. And anything that dissuades or takes that away from us is literally contrary to God's plan for us. And the only way that we can consummate is to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. When we've done that, then these things become reality, strengthening the inner man. Excuse me? Endurance. Endurance. Those things become reality because what lives within us, and that's what the Scripture speaks of, is literally when you trust Jesus Christ to save, when we come to Him and say, Lord God, I am a sinner. That's, that's what Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And everyone in this room is a sinner. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not me saying it. That's what the Bible says. But the cool thing is, is that doesn't stop there. Jesus Christ came to take care of that. And when we admit that we're sinners and we trust Christ as being the sole and only source for us to escape death, which is the curse, that's the wages of sin, then we are a brand new person. We are living new, and we have a brand new life. The inner man is woke up. It's become brand new, and when you trust Christ with it, that's literally what takes place. Now our whole perspective, our whole value system changes completely, completely. And now, now, Cindy, when we're in that position, now we can fully exercise what it is that God wants us to do. And as you said aptly, though, when you're five years old, when you're 10 years old, guess what? You don't know. You don't really know what you're supposed to do, except 
Obey your parents. Right? That was for the kids' benefit, right? But as God unfolds this for you, step by step, many of you don't know this. Some of you do. When I was in high school, I couldn't have gotten up in front of not only you. I, three people was too much for me. Couldn't do it. I would just shake in my boots. Speech class, I would rather take a zero. I didn't because I, my, my mother and dad thought it was important that I get good grades. But somehow I would persevere. But you know what? That was no part of me. But God, through events, said, that's what I want to give to you because I want you to give back to me. And that's literally what it's, what it's about. I don't think I've probably done a very good job of answering your question, but I'm hoping that it, at least I didn't, did I? Try me no, again. No, no, try, no. try me again. Yes, yes. Try me again. And, and, and when, you, when you give it to God, when you give it to God, it's all good. That's really what Paul was doing. He, he surrendered himself to, to God's mission for himself. That's where the power was at. That's why he could say, in my weakness, I am strong. That's really powerful. And, and we're, back to, we're back to step one again. What choices are you making? For the outer man? Or for the inner man. And that's what makes you stronger. That's what makes endurance reality, literally. That's what it's about. I don't think it's one big thing. I don't think at the end of my life I'm going to say, there it is. That's why I was here. I think it's an everyday thing. It's the journey. This, this it's minute, not. I, I helped this person today. That's one thing. That's why I was here today. You know, and so it, that, that's it. It's a journey. Of showing Christ's love. It is. Life is much more, its fullness is much more the journey than it is the destination. Now, I'm not saying not to be, you want to be sure of your destination. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand that. But so often, it's almost like enjoying life. If we're so fixated on getting what it is we want to get done or where we want to be or what we want, we've missed the joy of life. That's what I kind of come back to Philippians. Paul was so good about exercising joy regardless of circumstance of where he was. That is a key secret to being contented and to be in joy and in love and in peace that was his because he lived it moment by moment, the journey of wanting to please his God. I think that's very key. I think it's very, very key. Yes, it allowed him to do that. Absolutely. And, th and there, there it is. That's really, again, the, the personal relationship you have with Jesus Christ is first and foremost number one. That is number one. That's what makes it all happen. That's what makes it all happen. Any other questions? In fact, let's go to Philippians. I think this would even help. This, 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 is, this is pretty good. Not because I... Let's see if I can find it. Where does it say... Is it in chapter 1? Yeah, there it is. Chapter 1 of Philippians. Look at this. Verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness 
as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, he is solely focused on what it is that I can do for God. That's his sole purpose. He's living it to the utmost, which allows him, then further in Philippians, which I think ties in nicely, this is probably the verse I would have ended with, Philippians chapter 3, and let's look at like verse 13. Brethren, I can't not myself to have apprehended or to have taken control, but this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's pretty much another picture of endurance. I'm pressing on. I'm not giving up. I'm pressing on. How many of you are pressing on? That's what it's about. That's endurance. Pressing on, pressing to the end. Now, when you value eternal things over temporal, and we probably should talk a little bit more about that, temporal are all the stuff you can see. All the stuff you can see. What are the things that would be eternal? And those being? God? Human beings? All of those things that are concentrated within the very character of God, when we're fixed on those things, when we value those more than houses and cars and money, why, why do people jump off of buildings when the stock market plummets? Because they're fixed on temporal things. That was, that was what was meant the most to them. Those are questions we can ask ourselves. What is the most important thing to me? That's a big question, isn't it? What is the number one most important thing to me? And, and well, that's a personal question, but hopefully that is the answer. But everyone has to, and that's in the quietness. That's, that's, that's not for me to answer for you or vice versa. That's in the darkness of night. Sometimes, you know how it is, in the middle of the night you wake up, and you can ask yourself questions that are really difficult. That's one of them. What's the number one most important thing for me? What do I, what do I value the most? What am I spending all of my energy on? What am I spending my money on? What am, what am I really focusing on? And if it's temporal things versus eternal things, we've missed it. Because the whole universe is going to go away. And it can't take it with you. That's how Paul endured. Those three things. Number one, he valued the inner man over the outer man. Number two, Excuse me? He valued the future more than the present. And number three? He valued eternal things more than temporal things. Now that's so simple, but I'm going to say something. There's no way that Paul the Apostle could have possibly endured what he endured. I read you a pretty good list of all that he went through. There is not a possible way in this world that he could have endured that much unless he would have looked at it that way. He looked at earth through heaven's lenses. How are we looking at earth? Isaiah chapter 40. Let's go there for a second. Isaiah chapter 40. That's right. 
That's right. And when we're weary, when we're downtrodden, when we're tired, this is what Isaiah chapter 40 says. Isaiah chapter 40, in verse 28. Hast thou not known, Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth the strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And that comes as, a relation, as, as your relationship in Jesus Christ. That's from the inner man. When you feel that you can't go on anymore, literally, God is the one that keeps you moving. That is, that's, that's extremely powerful. And, and again, I'm looking at Jesus Christ, and I'm looking at Paul as being prime examples. Those two men, and being God the, God the Son, never suffered any more probably than those two. And they endured because of those three things. Any, que- any other questions or comments? I want to show you one, one, one thing that ties in. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians for just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4, okay? There's a verse we didn't read, but it actually literally gave us the whole, the, shall we say, the context of all of this. 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 14. This is something that he says we know. This ties in the text that we were talking about. Knowing, verse 14, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, knowing that He which, hath, which raised up the Lord Jesus, that's God the Father, raised Him up, shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. There is the ultimate victory right there. That is the ultimate victory to get beyond death, to be in His presence forever. That is fantastic. And that's where all of this comes from, the strength of endurance. Okay. Let's just pause for prayer. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love and care. We thank you, Father, for the Scriptures. I would ask, Father, that through the power of the Scriptures and that you would give clarity, that you would give understanding, and a sense of the love that you have given to each and every one of us through the gift of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we'd ask that the message would be clear, it would be concise, it would unfold within each one's mind. Father, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your care, we we thank you for your concern for all of mankind. And Father, guide us and direct us, lift us up, especially when we're struggling, when we're in in trouble. Help us to focus on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. May we persevere, may we endure to the end for the same reasons that Paul gave to us today. That we would value the inner man over the outer man. That we would value the future over the present that we would value eternal things over temporal things, therein giving us the strength to literally become 
an overcomer. Father, thank you for those that are here today, their desire to worship and to know you more fully. We would ask that you would take us and use us, give us courage, strength, and wisdom for the task before us, unfolding your pattern and will for our lives. And we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be serving you. Describe for us more fully of how you want us to live day by day and moment by moment. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.